the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Maniple. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 223. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... Uh, this is Ed. And this is Stella. And we are bringing the comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of April 30th through May 20th. Now, you might be wondering, this is seem, this episode seems to be late. Yes, it is late. I was experiencing some computer issues, which prevented us from recording um, that, on top of some issues the previous weeks before that with the website having some issues it all got piled on, but it's all been resolved for the most part. We still have some things we're doing with the website, but uh, the website's up and running. My computer's up and running, so here we are recording. The plus side is May is actually a five Wednesday month, so we would have taken a three-week hiatus. Not a three-week hiatus, but we would have had a spread between episodes for three weeks. Normally, at the end of the month, so we'll just chalk that up to happening right now. And it also gives us the opportunity to cover the uh, the last issue of the button with the the flash number 22 which actually released one week later so we can cover that along with batman number 22 the third part of the button button story arc so let's get into comic news all right so the first thing we have is uh on may 2nd the eisner award nominees were announced and they include three tbu titles um now some of these might not be that big of a surprise but some of them might be uh the first one is best short story the short story by tom king and david finch that appeared in batman annual number one called good boy which is actually the story dealing with ace the bat hound and how he you know his origin essentially um that was nominated for an eisner and then there was best reality based work which was dark knight a true batman story by paul dini and eduardo riso but this is the one that i found a little bit interesting best publication for teens ages 13 through 17 Batgirl by Hope Larson and Raphael Albuquerque. Really? Yeah. So clearly they're only huh. focusing on the, the first six issues because Raphael Albuquerque was only on the first, I think it was full, a full six, but first trade looks like. Yeah, basically the first trade. Now, I guess to me, I'm sitting here thinking, so if you're unaware of what the Eisners actually entail, the Eisners are awarded to comic creator. They're basically awarded by the industry. They're nominated by industry people. And then they, in turn, the awards are they are awarded at uh, San Diego Comic Con, and that's where the the winners are announced. Now, the thing is, by saying to me, it's just slightly interesting that Batgirl is listed as one of the best publications for teens because maybe it is because I'm not a teenager, but I don't find the writing in that first, at least that first six issues, like Ed said, the first trade paperback of Batgirl to be all that well written. And I don't know if it's just because there's a lack of of competition or what, but it seems like that seems to be a little bit off. Thoughts? I, I defer to my honorable colleague from Virginia. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I disagree with this particular nomination. Um, and I don't know if it was perhaps there was a lack of books available d- in order to nominate, but I would have gone and done something like Gotham Academy or something. But 
I guess it's considering the whole breadth of the DC books so far. I guess this is one of the younger ones, um, but I feel like she's more Hope Larson's more holding on to the the coattails of the previous run, and some of that lingers, I think, with her current run. But I would agree with you that it was. N- beyond solid it was like but like i would not be able to call it solid at all um it was it was pretty weak for an introduction i feel like it's gotten better now but if that's what we're looking at i'm i'm not really sure why they would consider that an honorable uh nomination and i'm sure there was something better but are we scraping bottom that this is all we had but it's the only dc title that got nominated for the teen category Okay, that is yeah. true. But what, I, Gotham mean, Academy, I feel doesn't like. mean that DC has to be DC. I mean, DC doesn't necessarily automatically get one nomination per category either. Mm. So that's important to note too. It's not mm. as if DC just puts forth one nomination and says, "Here's yeah, what we'd like to have nominated," and then Gotham Academy it. or even Bombshells, I would argue, is a better nomination for teens than Batgirl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I mean, I could see Gotham Academy. I could see the idea being that maybe it's they're looking at it from the perspective that it's maybe skewed just a tiny bit younger than 13 to 17, maybe like 10 to 15, maybe. But Batgirl's but, not really skewed for Batgirl's not skewed. I, I'm not trying to defend Batgirl. Let me get that straight. I, I am not defending Batgirl whatsoever. I think this nomination is mind boggling because it doesn't make any sense. I didn't find the writing to be all that great. Um, especially the first six issues like yeah because like there wasn't i mean like i guess if you look at uh, from the perspective of if you are a brand new fan you've never read any back roll ever you come in and you read this this back roll is it a good story well i can't obviously answer that because i'm not a i can't say that i walked into reading that knowing you know nothing prior you know nothing about back roll before that but yeah, I, I, can't, I have to imagine that there's there's better stuff. I mean, in Albuquerque's art's good, but it's not. I mean, it's it's, it's really super good, but it's not like groundbreaking, you know. Yeah, and especially paired with the writing, yeah. it actually seems like a clash of of tones. But it does seem strange. Yeah. Okay. So we'll leave that at that. Um, all right. So other news that happened in the last two weeks, uh, the, there was a new Nightwing series that was announced. On May 9th, it was announced that uh, Kyle Higgins, the writer who started off Nightwing in the New 52, he will be writing a new series called Nightwing, The New Order. This series is technically, it's it, it doesn't show it on the cover art, but they specifically released information stating that it was an Elseworlds story, which means that they could be possibly bringing the Elseworlds stuff back. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they actually have the Elseworlds logo on the cover when this actually starts releasing. But yes, uh, please. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Six-issue miniseries that's going to start off in August. Um, he will be teamed with Trevor McCarthy, who will be doing the art on the series. Uh, they also did the, they were paired together previously on Batman Gates of Gotham. Um, the basic, the, the, the basic description of the book is the book is set in an authoritarian dystopic future where Dick Grayson is the leader of the crusaders, a task force set on hunting down superpowered people. He is forced to reconsider his position when the system sets his own family as targets forced to rebel against it. Dick Grayson will get help from the people he has, has been helping hunt. 
the last metahumans. So uh, this, like I said, is going to start off at the end of August uh, for six issues. But it, in some ways, it's nice to know that, one, they are doing a miniseries that they are fully behind saying this is not part of continuity. Um, if it ends up having the Elseworlds you know, logo on it, great. That would be awesome because Bonus it, it leaves the opportunity for other Elseworlds stories to actually come back and do more because there's plenty of possibilities that could occur. But it, the biggest thing is I'm just glad that they're seeing that, one, they can do miniseries because that, that was a big pushing, you know, a big thing that I was saying, you know, two years ago with DCU, they should have been making a lot of those series miniseries instead of doing, you know, we're going to make all these new ongoings and then they they end up getting canceled after six or 12 issues or whatever. Um, so I'm glad that this is happening. I, I'm holding back on the idea of what the story will actually be. Um, I haven't been keeping up. I'd never keep up with Marvel stuff, but I, you know, see headlines on Twitter and things like that. I know that currently Captain America is currently part of Hydra or something, and people are freaking out because he's weird. He, you know, he's basically a Nazi, and they're comparing the guy who's supposed to be the symbolism for America as a Nazi. Um, so people are very upset about that. And some, I, I saw some people drawing comparisons to Nightwing taking down heroes and and metahumans to what's currently happening in Marvel. I don't I don't know if it's it is going to be the same. I can't say that it is because I haven't read the Nightwing stuff and I don't read this the the Marvel stuff, but uh, I do did read that Kyle Higgins was he tweeted out a number of different comments regarding uh people making the comparison. He said that this idea came up way before the stuff that's currently happening in Marvel ever happened um and there are clearly some you know some things that are similar but it's not the same type of story so i'm just holding reserve on the story itself obviously we will cover it on the website as it's released um so just take a look and for it to come out in august kyle higgins has a good track history writing nightwing too i think think he would have i honestly think that sometimes he gets a lot of flack for the stuff he did with nightwing like i think i think he did a good job but i think some people give him flack because of what he was he had to do because he basically had to put Nightwing out on the road. If you remember his his first story arc was Nightwing with the circus, yeah, circus traveling yeah. the world or traveling the United States or whatever. And like a lot of people were like, no, Nightwing's very family based. He should be with the other bat family members, which was very true, but that's not the direction that DC wanted him to go. And I think that a lot of times some of these writers, they get a lot of uh, a lot of flack for having to do things that they're dictated to that you need to do this. This character cannot be in Gotham right now. This character has to go out and do something else. So I think that if you look at his writing, I think especially the stuff before the New 52, he did some stories in Detective Comics. He did uh, Gates of Gotham. Those were very good continuity-based stories. Um, Nightwing New 52 is kind of like, you know, it was still good and solid writing. It was just one of those things where it was like it was outside of what you would expect from that character. Considering what he had to deal with with restraints in New Fifty Two, Higgins run on Nightwing and was okay. It was fine. It wasn't terrible. Um, I'm down for anything that's Elseworlds. Just call it Elseworlds and let us do crazy fun stuff. I mean, we've had Batman as a vampire. We've had you know all kinds of stuff. Batman during the Civil War. Go back to that. Have a little fun with it. It's fine. It won't break the continuity bubble. No one will die. It's okay. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Elseworlds. Uh, I just think they're classic and great stories that obviously look into, you know, what if situations and it gives a lot of freedom to many people because 
when you're in continuity, and I guess continuity now is looser than it was years ago. <laughs> our, you know, our generation's continuity is not this up and coming generation's continuity, but it's great because, you know, you can sort of let loose and, and go at it. So I, I, I would love to see a return of the Elseworlds. I don't want it to get out of control, though, because there are some really wonderful Elseworlds out there, like the old school ones. But then it seemed like maybe they got out of control because then there are some really, really weird ones. Weird ones. Yeah. 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 But there was like some great Gotham by Gaslight, Thrill Killer. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Yep. There's some super cool ones. And I'd be cool if they made this into like an ongoing miniseries, like do a Nightwing six issue one, then do a Batman one, then do a Superman one, you know? Um, I think they're fun. I just, I think they're missed. That's something that was always cool about DCU. They need to do mm-hmm. that. All right. So then uh, other news that happened in the last two weeks, uh, one exclusive that uh, the Batman universe had, uh, uh, Josh was able to talk with uh, Chuck Dixon, uh, and he was able to give some commentary on Bane Conquest number one. So if you were reading Bane Conquest number one and, and wanted to know a little bit more further of the behind-the-scenes details, be sure to check that out. That's over on the website. And then also in the last three weeks, we've had three this week in the Batcave articles from Jessica. Just running down some of the unique points that were uh, that were discovered by Jessica. First up, Tom King had made a comment. People were asking him about how why in the, the first issue of the Button story arc, uh, in Batman number 21, Gotham was meant or was mentioned to be in the Western Conference finals for the hockey hockey uh, game. And he said it was a typo. It was meant to be Eastern, but he he made the typo and he admitted it. So I, that was one of the things I know some people were talking about online. Um, some of the other points that were made, uh, if you've been missing her name on Toya, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy had stated that he will be having Renee Montoya in his Batman work. Um, It's unknown whether or not that will actually be in his story in All-Star Batman or the standalone Batman series that he has been quietly working on, but has been hinting at for a number of months. Um, And then also there's a, a bunch of art from Dark Days. Uh, well, there's a bunch of art from Greg Capullo that uh, that you can check out his character designs for Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash um, for the upcoming Dark Knight's Metal. Um, and then in addition to that, you can also check out a unique Easter egg that was actually discovered by Jessica. Uh, Mitch Strad Mitch had uh, pointed out on t- on Twitter that in the issue that we're going uh, to that, that we're actually going to cover uh, on the next episode Batman number 23 which features Swamp Thing there's a easter egg where Bruce Wayne and Swamp Thing are actually sitting in the study and uh, there's a painting on the back wall and the painting is actually of uh, the Bat family it was actually a painting that was done in Batman and Robin uh, way back during Peter Tomasi's run on the title. So um, you can check, take a look at all this stuff. There's all kinds of really cool, unique Easter eggs that she finds and little mentions that the creators, artists, and writers, they mention on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook that she picks up and she puts it into these great articles. So be sure to check these articles out. They are actually some of our highest traffic uh, articles on the website. So I encourage you to check them out. Um, outside of news, there's a couple of new editorials. Um, as you may have seen from the last episode we were talking about in the pages of Nightwing, Simon Hurt has, uh, you know, reappeared and, uh, 
our, one of our new writers, Colin, he actually took a, did a three-part history of Simon Hurt, just, you know, going through his extensive history uh, from the character, from his incarnation, and then um, Grant Morrison working with the character all the way up through the, the way he appears in the current pages of Nightwing. Um, so you can check, you can take a look at that. Also, uh, Jessica has started up a new, uh, a new series um, that's part of the editorials, which is called the Watchmen watch. Um, her first one is called a study in the scarlet and yellow and talks about some of the, um, the subtle clues that we've been, that we've been shown in the pages of uh, the, the books since the beginning of rebirth, whether they be TBU books or whether they be DC universe books, some of the hints at some of the stuff that we've been seeing that are Watchmen based. So be sure to look out for that. She's got some more installments already planned out for the next coming weeks. So be sure to check out all this cool original material we have on the website. All right. So with that, we're going to dive straight into our comic book reviews. And the first book we have is all-star Batman. All-star Batman number 10 writer Scott Snyder artist Raphael Albuquerque just like the small city in New Mexico so this is a Scott Snyder book and like every Scott Snyder book or the majority of them we have two stories running here Uh, the first one we have is set in the past and we see the police chasing a boy through the rooftops of London Uh, then we quickly cut to the second story which takes up the majority of the book where we see Batman in the Batmobile uh, with Alfred along chasing Hush Uh, Hush is in a helicopter, and he flies over a stadium um, trying to lose Batman, but instead Batman doesn't go around it. He goes through it, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, Much to the cheers of the fans, uh, Bruce uses a basic ejector seat to catch up the helicopter, brings Hush in. We see Hush in a Wayne security facility in Miami, um, and he threatens to have Alfred turn his – this is actually kind of cool – he threatens to have Alfred turn his face back into his actual face – and then finally, uh, he gives up the information on something called the Genesis engine. Um, and Hush has some intel on it. Um, Alfred seems to be surprised that this thing really exists. Um, back to the past, and we see the figure that's being chased by the police officers falling off the roof and uh, survives it by landing on the back of a bus, um, only to get knocked out as he jumps up to give the police the finger, and he gets knocked out by a streetlight to the back of the head. We hear the police yelling in that the old butler wants some words with him. We didn't see Bruce and Alfred infiltrating, well, Bruce, really, Alfred on comms, infiltrating a super secret place where uber-rich people slash pirates, mostly one percenters it looks like here, um, store their illegally gotten items. Um, Bruce has bought his buy-in, which is a uh, priceless painting. But when we get there, it finds out that they all think that this is actually Hush in disguise who was going to pass off a forgery. Um, They open fire, these uh, pirate people open fire. Uh, Bruce escapes using some trickery in the painting uh, down a hallway and finds the body of Thatch, um, who is being tortured kind of gruesomely by um, cutting open his chest and then keeping it open and uh, squeezing his still beating heart for information. At this point, um, we see Alfred realize that this mystery is all about him and not Bruce. And we are shown the flashback that the cops are catching up to a young man who's running through the rooftops of London turns out to be Alfred, not Bruce. And he says his father wants a word with him. Uh, there's also a backup in this issue about Russian gangsters doing Russian gangster stuff. All right. I have three questions because uh, two of them are pretty small, which is number one, before the big reveal at the end, did anyone get that that was Alfred on the run and not Bruce? 
Uh, no, I didn't. I actually, I thought it was Bruce. And then I realized, I wouldn't say right at the end when it was revealed, but I realized as the story went on, because I remember that this was supposed to be an Alfred based story. I kept thinking to myself, I feel like something, something else is going on here. When we get to, you know, probably just two or three pages before the actual reveal of it being Alfred, I realized that this probably was Alfred specifically because this is a Scott Snyder story. And if you remember going way, 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 way back to, I believe his first story arc on Batman, the backups that were happening in the issue that had uh, the court of owls, he had Alfred as a young boy who was told by his father to return to, you know, to, to basically come to him because, you know, I need you to come here to help with the Waynes. And then something happened to his father and he died. And then Alfred was just basically left. And that's why it makes more sense that Alfred isn't, you know, he's older than Bruce, but he's not like ridiculously like 30 years older than Bruce where it, you know, he's still able to, you know, go out on patrol occasionally as we see sometimes. So in this regard, I, I kept thinking to myself, clearly this is the way they're going. But at the same point, it's interesting because, you know, there are, there's not very many stories that involve, you know, the backstory of, his, of Alfred. I did, <laughs> did not know for a fact. There was one thing that I thought was really weird when they were talking about uh, the old butler and everything, but it was clear we were in London. And I was trying to piece together when the Waynes would have been in London because you're assuming that this is is in fact Bruce. I mean, I think that is very much the intention of it. And I was just thinking, when when was, you know, (laughs) in his backstory, when was Bruce living in London at this time? So there was something that didn't quite feel right, but I didn't know until uh, the very end. And it's just funny, the whole gay knocked out by the streetlight and the middle finger, which is all blurred, which is what makes me laugh uh, more than seeing it was great. But no, I did not catch on. Just something felt a little hinky. Yeah, I kind of was in the same way. I, because we're so used to seeing these Bruce flashbacks to his, you know, disruptable youth that we're kind of like, Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, once it kind of got revealed, I thought it was cool though. Um, maybe this will be the big Alfred story um, where we don't have Scott like cut off his hands or do something terrible to him at the end of it. Um, question number two, we eat hush in this issue, but it seems to me like it's kind of just a glorified cameo appearance. Like we're probably not going to see him again in the story. Um, question, do you think we'll see Hush moving forward or is this what he is now? Is he relegated to the B-list villain cameo appearances? Well, I think if you are looking at it from Scott Snyder's perspective, this isn't a classic villain to Scott Snyder, so he's going to treat him as a glorified cameo. Um, I can't see how it would actually be anything but that coming from Scott Snyder. I think there are plenty of other writers who would probably use hush to a little bit further of an advantage. When you look at how hush was used, even in Batman eternal, um, it wasn't, it wasn't nearly to the degree that the character, you know, the actual story, Batman hush, that character hush, Tommy Elliott was extremely cerebral and a very, 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 you know, good adversary for Batman. And the way he's been portrayed since has not been that great. Um, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with they just sometimes they feel the necessity to use the character, but they're not really using the character to the advantage. I mean, part of it also is the fact that the character, you know, the, there wasn't a lot of no, you didn't know a lot about the character going into the original Batman Hush. It was a question of who it was. 
you were blown away by the reveal. Then it was a fake out. So, I mean, there's a lot of really think cool things going for the original Batman Hush story. Um, but now that we know who he is, you really have to like build up the character behind, you know, who Hush is. You have to build up Tommy Elliott. And in some degrees that has been done, you know, here and there with uh, Paul Dini did it in Streets of Gotham. And there were some good stories that came out of that. And uh, there was also in Detective Comics by Paul Dini too. He did a story where it was uh, Heart of Hush. Yeah, Heart of Hush. That's good. Yeah, it's real good. It was really good. But, I mean, there's other ones like Hush Returns that was not very good at all. Um, that happened in Batman Gotham Knights um, years and years ago. But, I mean, the thing is, like, there's just – it just has to be – a writer has to come along who really wants to use the character. And I think that when you look at Scott Snyder, this is not a character that he wants to use. If you look at Scott Snyder, a lot of the characters that he has used in the past, uh, when they when you look at the, you know, the nature of – how he uses them. It comes across as a lot of the classic characters. He didn't have a desire to use them until they served the purpose of his story, which I mean, that's the way it should be. I don't want him to have to use a character just because he has to use them. Um, But at the same time, it comes across as when he does use a character that you would assume this is a character who should have a much bigger role in such a small role. It's kind of one of those things where he's basically slapping the character in the face and saying, you're not on the level of these other characters. I don't need you for anything but this. I don't know if I consider it a cameo because I think back to one of the first issues of All-Star where really we were seeing big cameos of all those villains that had taken the contract out. And it was just like one panel kind of thing. Or if you think back to Batman, I think they had um, one pagers of someone like Kite Man and there were, you know, all those types of people. So I feel like he, he got more than a cameo, but he very much was instrumental in this particular plot. Like he was a plot point. I don't know if necessarily you could have per- perhaps filled in with somebody else, but it seemed like his appearance drove the plot forward. Um, you also got to see a connection with Alfred. So I think it heightened a little bit. Alfred, you saw kind of an, <laughs> a sinister side to Alfred. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen him almost. I mean, that's like psychological torture to a certain extent. Cause Tom, uh, yeah. Tommy Elliott clearly did not want to be back to Tommy Elliott. Um, and Alfred usually shies away from those sorts of things. So that was an interesting glance or look into that. But then he was the one that set him up with the meeting and everything. So uh, I, I guess I almost consider him more of a plot point than a cameo. But um, I think to a certain extent, depending on who the big bad is, uh, you got to have some of those characters that fill in and act in this manner. And this is just uh, the way they're used. But, you know, Hush, I think is a special character. I don't think he'll ever fall to, you know, kite man or somebody else trying to think the rabbit What was her name. White rabbit, (laughs) even though she did get her time in the sun in the new 52, I'm just throwing out some people there, but I think that, yeah, I know. Oh, well, he, (laughs) yeah. Uh, well, I was thinking more like one people that are basically out with one punch kind of thing because he did have his time to shine in the New 52 with uh, Batman and Robin. Yeah, the first one, right? Um, wait, what was that called? Batman, Batman and Robin Eternal? No, Batman, Batman Eternal. Eternal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They all go together now. Um, so I don't know if he'll ever be. So that's interesting. You gave him a B-level rating. 
So why would you say he's not an A level now? When was the last time? Did you ever consider him an A level? I think coming out of Hush, and then I think the follow up part of Hush with Catwoman for me put him into the A level. Okay, but I can't remember the last time he was used as an A level villain. I mean, except the title or Hush, but like when was the last time he was an A level villain? I would say Heart of Hush was a really good story. But yeah, besides those two. And why? When Heart of Hush was 10 years ago? See, the thing is, now? it's not just about the story that he's in, it's about how he's used in other in other ways. Because like if you look at a character like the Joker, sure, there are some great Joker stories, but when you look at the Joker, the Joker's not a great A-list villain because he has you know, a gazillion amazing singular villain stories. He's a villain who appears in multiple different ways at multiple different times. And he's just memorable as a character. I think Hush was memorable as a character when he first came out. And I think the character, the problem is like, and here's the thing, you know, we used to have a show called the villain, the villain wall. Oh. It's, it's part of the uh, specials feed. Now, if you go to the Batman Universe specials, you can actually pull up the old episodes of the Batman villain wall. And the idea was that I would, I would argue a villain for a specific area, whether it be a list, B list, uh, forgotten or completely, you know, gone. And we would, we'd always take like a bigger character like Joker, who obviously that one's automatically a, a, an A list. We didn't argue that. We take a character like, you know, let's say Poison Ivy. Like, there's plenty of people who would say she's an A list character. I believe she's an A list character. But there's plenty of people who would say, well, she's more of a supporting character. She doesn't really have a lot of really good, memorable stories and things like that. Well, when we did Hush, I just, I argued that Hush was an A list villain based off of his appearances. The final judgment for the character was actually that he was a B-list villain, and it was specifically because he hasn't been around long enough, and he hasn't had as many appearances. And when you look at a character, like even now, I mean, the villain wall, that episode was probably recorded like five years ago or something like that, um, even before or probably right around the New 52 or right before the New 52 or something like that. But it's been a long time. And the thing is, when you look at the character, the character, you know, popped up in Batman Eternal. Um, it's popped up here. But I mean, the thing is, the character hasn't really been used at all since Paul Dini was using the character in Heart of Hush and Streets of Gotham. And Paul Dini was doing really good things with the character at the time. It's just when a character falls off the map and nobody's using the character, that's when it's like, well, is it really an A-list character if nobody's, you know, acknowledging that this character actually exists? And where's the I think that's the problem. Like, think about it. If we hadn't seen Joker in four or five years, the world would be like, where is Joker? You know? Oh, my gosh. Like, it would be. I'm not saying I agree with that. No. Yeah, I know. I just disagree with it. <laughs> she vehemently disagrees with it. But think about it. You're, uh, never, you're never like, I, I just don't see the world clamoring for Hush. And I like Hush. And I love Hush. And I like the fall of Hard Hush. But his use in Batman Eternal was, well, that whole thing was a train wreck by the time he showed up issue 58, 57,000, whatever it was. Um, so that was just my question was, where were we on Hush today? And I think the answer is we still don't know. Um, last stab in the dark. Anyone got any ideas what this Genesis thing is? No, no idea at this point. I, I actually ended the issue thinking to myself, I don't know where we're going with this. I think it's six issues this time around. This story arc is, I think, six issues. Um, but for the most part, I just kept thinking, I don't know where we're going with this. I, I I obviously have some sort of suspicion that it's going to tie back to Alfred since the other half of this story is dealing with Alfred. Um, 
but I don't know what it is. I hope it's not Alfred's been a you know double agent for this entire career of Batman. That makes sense. I don't have any idea either. Yeah, I feel like I just read something that also had maybe it was just this. Didn't someone else bring up something about Genesis too? Um, do you think it could be involving that nineteen ninety seven story, Genesis? <laughs> do any of you have any idea what I'm talking about? I actually thought that it was uh the reveal that Phil Collins was gonna be the uh Oh villain. could be. Yeah. You should put in you should put in a cue right there. Ba-dum-tsh. All right. So All Star Batman, I'm gonna give a total of three and a half out of five. Uh four out of five. Four out of five. And over on the website, Corbin gave it four and a half. So it's going to give All-Star Batman a total of four out of five bad ranks. Let's move into our next book, Batman, as well as The Flash. Batman 22, The Button, Part 3. Story, Joshua Williamson and Tom King. Script, Joshua Williamson. Pencils and inks, Jason Fabick. And colors, Brad Anderson. Thomas Wayne reminds us of the war between Aquaman and Wonder Woman and the appearance of Flash, who told him that Bruce was supposed to live and he was supposed to die. Now, Aquaman and Wonder Woman have finally agreed on something, and it happens to be to kill Batman. They've come to Wayne Manor at the exact same time that Bruce and Barry appear. Thomas attacks Flash, saying that this isn't real. Flash says that it is real, but something's gone wrong, and something has kept Flashpoint going this whole time, and maybe that's how Thawne followed his trail. The vibrational frequencies are the same as home, or their home timeline. Flash has many questions, but he first needs to fix the cosmic treadmill, just as the soldiers of Aquaman and Wonder Woman attack. Bruce and Thomas fight alongside one another, and Thomas asks Bruce if he remembers the last time they were in this particular cave. Bruce remembers not what his father said, but that he was whispering to not disturb the bats, and this sort of wakes Thomas up from his reverie and realizes that it probably is real after all. The cosmic treadmill is fixed just as reality starts to get torn apart. Bruce tells Thomas the one thing that he has always wanted to, that he is a grandfather. Bruce wants Thomas to come with them, but he he pushes Bruce onto the treadmill and tells him not to become Batman, but to be a father. As Flash and Bruce leave, Thomas throws a detonator against the wall of the cave, which he had the entire time, and remembers back to when he found Bruce in the cave and tells him that Waynes don't stay down for long but rise as all reality goes white around him. On the cosmic treadmill, they are passed by Thawne carrying the baton, clearly the Thawne before he is killed. As he runs past, Thawne says that he knows to whom the power of the baton <laughs> belongs, and they've, ne- <laughs> and they've never faced someone like him. Next, the hand of God. And that takes us to the Flash 22, which is the baton, part four. Script, Joshua Williamson, art, Howard Porter, and color, Hi-Fi. Batman and Flash are still on the cosmic treadmill, and Thawne is still in front of them, threatening to become a co-worker or friend to Barry's mother, so that when she's killed, Barry will be put into his call, into his care, and he will become an acolyte, which would be horrible. The treadmill begins to break up as Batman hears a small voice calling, and Thawne leaves and finds the end of the trail, which ultimately leads to his death. 
The small voice needs Barry to call upon him and says its name is Jay. Barry frees Jay, Jay Garrick, and Jay in turn brings Batman and Flash back to their proper time. Barry doesn't remember Jay, and Jay disappears in some blue lightning after saying that, quote, they took everything from me, Barry. I don't know how. I don't know why, end quote. Bruce and Barry talk over the graves of Martha and Thomas, because I guess we always need a scene like that. And Bruce says he will continue investigating Thon's death. Later, Bruce stares out his window towards the bat signal and ponders his father's words to give up the mantle. Alfred asks repeatedly, and by repeatedly, I mean more than once, if he is going to answer the call and there's no response. Elsewhere, a blue hand belonging to the naked blue man, a.k.a. Dr. Manhattan, picks up the baton. Epilogue, the bloody baton, turns into Superman's shield, and the do- the do- the doomsday clock is set to two minutes to Superman, which apparently is coming out in no- or the two minutes will pass in November of 2017. I guess the obvious question is, were you at all surprised that it was <laughs> Dr. Manhattan who most likely, well, we didn't see it. He is most likely the one that has disintegrated Thawne. And we know that he has done this in the past because Watchmen, that's what he did to um, Rorschach. And were you su- so were you surprised that he was the guy, the god that um, Thon had said he saw? And were you also surprised that Thon recognized him? Are we in this point now that they really are within our continuity, and so they shouldn't be strangers? When you say he recognized him, what do you mean by that? Oh, okay. Well, let's. He says, show yourself. I'm on page seven. I, my God. And he said, wait, wait, I didn't know. And they're like, he, it seems like he recognizes who he, if we assume that the blue specter ghost, the color and everything is in fact Dr. Manhattan, it seems like once he gets his wish and that God, quote unquote, is revealed that he realizes, oh no, I've made a mistake. I didn't realize it was you, but that could just be me. Yeah, Yeah, I I could change my, do you think he recognizes him then? Okay, so I'll say this. My simple answer is, uh, did did was I surprised by the reveal that it is Dr. Manhattan? No, for a number of different reasons. I mean, I think after even last year DC Rebirth, uh, the the special that came out last May, I think that everybody was under the assumption that Dr. Manhattan was going to make appearance. It was more of a question of whether the other Watchmen were going to appear, and I still I still think that there's a lot of questions about whether or not there's certain characters that are going to appear. For a while, over in the Superman comic, Superman title specifically, um, there was a character, there was a neighbor of Clark Kent and Lois Lane called Mr. Cobb. A lot, a lot of people were saying was the comedian just older. And now if you've been reading Superman, which I normally don't, but I've been reading the last couple issues because Damien and Batman have, have been part of the storyline over there. And Mr. Cobb's not the comedian. So there's there's a lot of people who are, you know, they're really trying hard to like find references and things like that and hints. And there's it's not like they're not out there. There are plenty of very obvious hints, and there's plenty of other hints that are clearly, you know, there for you to figure out. Uh one of the most specific ones was there was one in Titans recently where they were where one of them thought to themselves, they kept hearing over and over again in their head, Manhattan, Manhattan, Manhattan. And they assumed that meant that they needed to build Titan's tower in Manhattan. And really 
Obviously, that could also refer to Dr. Manhattan. Someone's trying to communicate to that person saying that Manhattan, you know, trying to warn them, essentially. Um, So there's that. But also even more obvious, you know, going into just the first issue of of, uh, the button, Batman number 21, we had when when uh, Fawn was was fried. You saw in the reflection of blue, blue something. You didn't know if mm-hmm. it was a person or whatever. So I mean, like, mm-hmm. there's always there's all these little hints. So like, was I surprised? No, I was not surprised by that at all. Um, to your second question about whether or not Fawn recognized um, uh, Doctor Manhattan, I don't think he did because even when he came back to the Batcave, as he's like frying, he's like, I saw God. He didn't like. He didn't unless he actually is thinking that Dr. Manhattan is God and he has seen Dr. Manhattan some other time that we don't know about. And he is under the assumption that he is God. And now he is visually seeing God up close and personal and he you know, knows it maybe, but I don't think he actually does recognize him. I think it's just a, it's a being that he's never shown saw before. And it has, it's a being that has so much power that he just believes that it is a God. So I think that's the, the relation that he's putting towards the character is just that he recognizes that it's a God, but he doesn't know who necessarily it is. It's just anybody who has that amount of power and is that type of being who you've never encountered before, you might automatically think to yourself, it is God. So I'm not surprised it's Dr. Manhattan, but I think Thawne certainly is. I don't know. The whole problem with the speed force on on a larger level is that at some point, Thawne, Barry, even Wally to some degree, they spend enough time in the speed force. They're supposed to all have seen everything that could be, whatever would be, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe that they have ran into Manhattan if he's going to become, and it certainly looks to be with all these images, the, you know, the watchmen are at some degree are going to become a greater part of the DC universe. Maybe Thawne has seen it before in some essence. I mean, Thawne is from the future, right? Like he's supposed to be several hundred right. years in the future. So maybe mm-hmm. in the future, they know who Dr. Manhattan is, which would explain kind of the, you know, cause his thons cackling mustache twirling repertoire is always, I know what happens in the future, you know? Um, so if, if the watchman coming into the, the universe is that big of a thing, then I think there's a good possibility that Thon did recognize him in some way yeah i think it's possible yeah at least in like studying perhaps history and had seen yeah what had happened Uh, i was sorry we might recognize zeus but we don't expect to meet him yeah you know like we might see a a great character go well that's zeus with the thunderbolts and then if you were in your backyard when a guy came down throwing thunderbolts you'd be like damn that's zeus you know so exactly maybe something like that i was surprised to see him i wasn't really sure quite honestly, which person I was going to see. I wasn't surprised it was a watchman because I figure since it was called the baton that I, and and of course it was, you know, that particular baton that (laughs) it's fun to say it that way, uh, that, you know, someone was going to appear from there though. I also wondered with the speed force, I kept thinking about, wasn't his name, the black racer that like kept appearing in final crisis. Death flash. Yeah. Yeah, so I wondered if like that, you know, was going to come back and something would be set off. And I also, because we in particular chose the Flash to have this crossover, I felt like it's got to be someone special to him. But that didn't necessarily happen. Uh, so I guess my other question 
with this one is just, was this worth it? Uh, I mean, what did you get out of this for, this is, we're done, right? This is it? That's it. Okay. What did you get out of this four story arc, four issue arc, and, and the fact that it was Batman and Flash together, not Batman and somebody else? Well, so here's my thoughts. Um Please. This this story arc, I'm not real sure what we got out of it at all. I mean, honestly, looking at it, we had this tender moment between Bruce and his father from a different timeline, you know, from the Flashpoint universe. But other than that, what did we really learn? I mean, we already had hints of Dr. Manhattan being involved in some way last year. Now we've got further confirmation that he is involved. But like, what really did happen? I mean, I've seen some people online talk about how in the, the final moments of the of the Flash issue where the bat signal goes up and Alfred is telling Batman, like, are you going to respond to the bat signal? And Bruce is just sitting there and he's not responding. Some people are assuming that Batman's just going to stop being Batman for the time being. And that is why in the pages over in or going, you know, coming up in the pages of Batman, we actually have we're, we're moving to a story that actually takes place in the past. Um, with the War of Jokes and Riddles that takes place earlier in Batman's career, specifically because people are just hypothesizing that Batman's not going to be fighting crime for a while. And I just keep thinking to myself, no, that no. For like a month, it worse. Yeah. yeah, like like I I can't it's first of all, if Batman doesn't respond to the bad signal, it's not as if Alfred, who sees that Bruce is having trouble, couldn't contact the one of a gazillion other members of the bat family to respond to the bat signal it's not like batman's the only one who could respond number one number two even if he could respond i don't think batman would just not you know take care of whatever it may be i understand that the the idea of that scene and that moment was supposed to be batman trying to basically take heed to his father's words of hang up the cowl don't let it consume your life that was what he was trying to do but At this point, it's already consumed his life. The guy has no life outside of the cowl. Um, Mm. So, I mean, like, sure, I guess in that small, you know, bittersweet moment between his father and him, you know, the exchange of words about that, maybe that's why he ponders. But I'm sure the next scene is him gearing up and going to respond to the bad signal anyway. So I'm not doubting for any second that that's what actually is happening. Now, I'm hesitant about bringing this up, but I'm going to just bring it up because I don't care. Um, Mm. So... There, there, there's something that happened in the in an issue of Detective Comics. Uh, we'll talk about the issue in a minute here, but there was a change that occurred in the actual final version of the of the the comic. Specifically, the issue of Detective Comics that we're going to review today, which is actually Detective Comics uh, number nine fifty six. There was a, a panel at the very end of the issue that reveals a slight bit of information. The issue was supposed to release the same exact day as the final issue of the button, which was Flash number 22. And then something was going to be revealed in the Flash number 22 that was going to Im, in, uh, you know, imply that Tim Drake is not dead and that uh, you know Batman is going to have to look for Tim Drake th- in a very similar fashion, the way Tim Drake looked for Batman. Reversal when Batman of was, fortune, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. When Batman was trapped in, in time during Grant Morrison's uh, run on, on, the, on the titles. So the thing is, there was something that happened where basically in 956, at the very end, Batman says, oh, you know, Batwoman, there's like a week later, they flash forward. And I'll, I'll bring it up when we get to there. But there was this point in the issue where... Batwoman's like, oh, where have you been? He's like, I've been busy. And then there's an editor's note that says, read the button right here. And then it then it says, but uh, we have to put all of our effort into finding Tim Drake because he's not dead. Then 
about three days after we received a review issue from DC Comics to review, we got an a, a email stating, look for the end of the, uh, the, of the button storyline for more details in Flash number 22, and then further details in, in Detective Comics number 957. Now, here's the thing. Their email came out after they were, they did the, you know, they sent out these review copies, which was on a Friday. It took about three days before they sent out anything saying, don't talk about this. We held up our end of the bargain. We didn't talk about it. We didn't mention it in the reviews. The embargo was held. But the problem is the Flash 22 came out last week. And when that came out, there was nothing mentioned about Tim Drake. Now, what's really interesting is further proof that something got changed along the lines and also could be the reason why the issue was delayed an additional week was if you were able to purchase the Lenticler cover, there's actually Red Robin on the cover. As you turn it, you actually see little small uh, headshots of Batman, Reverse Flash, and uh, Red Robin. Obviously, Red Robin wasn't in the issue. Jason Fabic actually commented on Twitter saying that Red Robin, there was Red Robin was in the original script, but the script got changed and there wasn't any time to fix the cover before the deadlines. So they just, the cover stayed as is, but the script for the book changed and they took out the Red Robin stuff. Now I've also read 957 at this point, and there's also no mention of, of uh, Red Robin, Tim Drake. So I'm really curious to know what DC was telling us to hold out for when it comes to the mention of Tim Drake, because there was no mention. And honestly, reading the final issue of the button, and I say all this hoping to God that we don't get in trouble because somebody from DC doesn't hear us talking about this. But the, the reality is they told us to wait for you know the reveals at the end, and there was no reveals. There was no reveals regarding that panel that they asked us not to talk about. So my problem is, what was the reveal at the end of the Flash you know, the end of the button, the flash 22, what was the reveal other than, you know, Dr. Manhattan being further confirmed that he is amongst, you know, he's going to happen. And then there's those teasers about what's going to happen come November from Jeff Johns with the doomsday clock and that, what do we get out of this button storyline? And the thing is, if the original intent was us to understand that Tim Drake was still alive, then that would be, I mean, we already know as a reader that he's still alive, but us as the reader or us as the person who's you know consuming the comic, if we are to understand alongside the characters in the comic that Tim Drake is still alive, that is some sort of payoff. And I feel like that probably was the payoff and the payoff then was changed for some unknown reason. I, I, I bring this up, like I said, hesitantly, but at the same time, I feel like that was the point to give us a little bit so that Batman's sitting here trying to investigate where Tim Drake is leading to potentially further investigation into Mr. Oz and things like that. But something happened and, and stuff got shifted around and now they're not doing anything until co- this coming November. Well, I would say this still the question is, was this worth it? What did we get out of it? I think what we got out of this is this was a giant advertisement for the coming November specials. Exactly right. This was a giant, Hey, we haven't forgot about it. Cause like you said, when did rebirth come out last May? Yeah. That's time I checked. That was a year ago, right? I think all this was, was, Hey, we didn't forget about it. Uh, Thawne got killed by Dr. Manhattan. Whoop de doo Basil. What's it all mean? I mean, I, I just, this whole thing to me was a giant, Hey, we haven't forgot about the Watchmen and check back in November. That's it. 
That's what I got out of it. I mean, some of the moments with, you know, Thomas and him were cool and all, but Batman is not going to stop being Batman because he's responsible for like 65% of DC sales. So, you know, that's not going to happen. We all knew Dr. Manhattan was here and Thon's a, you know, repeat offender time travel who's been killed, you know, more times than Kenny on South Park. So, yeah, I don't know if there's a lot here that's meaty. Yeah, and it seems like a, these issues are a lot of talk, talk, talk kind of thing and not much action. I just feel like they were on that cosmic treadmill for so long. It was basically like a magical mystery tour. And then w- with Barry, Bruce and uh, Eobard and these just like the conversations that one would have on such a road trip. I did like the Thomas Wayne stuff. I think that that was good. I, I think, you know, if anything, the purpose of it is to whet our appetites for November, as well as let you know that no fans, we have not forgotten that the Watchmen are now involved and are heavily seated in rebirth as well as perhaps, tying us back to Flashpoint and, and that other continuity and saying, yes, things are all interconnected and they're playing out somehow. Uh, but otherwise, there wasn't much of uh, a payoff. I do wonder why it was Flash, you know, of all of all the characters that, that he was the one that was picked. And I guess things worked out because you had Jay, though Jay was quickly disappeared and Flash or Barry didn't remember him and Thawne, but you could have easily worked with anyone. And I just wonder why of all people, but he was the one to do Flashpoint. So I guess it makes sense. And the Thomas sowing the seed of doubt. I liked the end. I liked that he was staring up at the signal and reflecting on his father's words. And Alfred asks him more than once, like I said, I think just two times, but it's still more than once. And normally Alfred doesn't have to ask at all. And he doesn't go off. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that, gosh, he's going to give it up. This is it. But I like the fact that I know, but I like the fact that he's taking a step back, you know, at least mentally and considering these words. And I also wonder if it, if it, could have been better placed because we had already seen him on, you know, quite recently taking time off, though it was not of his own will, right? With the um, super heavy, that storyline, right? So that, I mean, he had already taken time off. So that's another reason why I don't think that it would ever happen. But I like that he was considering it. I wonder if there's a way that something could be implemented that he's not, you know, giving up Batman, but he's slowly, he, maybe he takes a little more time and gives other people the chance to do it. I don't know, but I don't think it was worthwhile of a story. I'm, I, I'm very thankful. It was only four issues because if it had gone on any longer, I think it would have been like, what's going on. But I do wonder if it could have been wrapped up potentially in two, if you cut down on the narrative, but yeah, uh, those are really the main questions that I had. I don't know if you had anything else you want to discuss, Dustin. No, not specifically. I mean, I brought up the thing about Tim Drake. I mean, that was the big thing. I mean, in, yeah. in my mind, he just came across as, like like Ed said, it was a giant advertisement for something, but I don't feel like that was the initial intent. I feel like there was something that was supposed to be different. I think they uh, pulled back on the reins on it, to be totally honest with you. Oh, yeah, because there was a lot of changes that happened. I mean, Tom King was originally supposed to write the second issue, and then they, they announced that he wasn't going to write the second issue of Batman for the button. Instead, instead, Joshua Williamson was going to write it with just help from Tom King because Tom King needed help or needed some time to work out uh, the issue, the Swamp Thing issue, Batman 23. But it seems like that issue has been planned for a long time. So it seemed like that was a very strange 
thing to say in, you know, strange reasoning in the first place. But the big thing is like, there was that change. And then there's the idea that the flash 22 was delayed an additional week for some unknown reason. It had to be the fact that they changed something in the book, which was obvious based off of what we were actually shown and what we know would have actually led into with what was revealed in the, you know, unpublished copy of detective comics number 956. So the big thing is in my mind, I just keep thinking to myself, I wish it was something more than what it was because I had high hopes for this, but it just fell flat because it really didn't feel like it achieved anything. It just was like, Mm -hmm. this happened. And it's just more news learn nothing new is known and there's nothing to change like they did four issues of investigating this and what did they learn themselves nothing sure reverse flash knows that some blue guy who he thinks is god you know is is out there but they don't know that so i don't know what's the name of the the story coming in november now doomsday clock doomsday clock would it would it would it really have been unfair marketing if this had been put the button, a prelude to Doomsday Clock. Like, that would have been a lot better. Yeah, that would have been more honesty in marketing. I mean, and I think maybe the creative team behind Doomsday Clock. The only thing I could think of with the Tim Drake stuff was that the creative team there pulled came in at the last minute and said, "Hey, hey, hey, hey we're gonna change a little bit about that." Well, I think there's something big that happened there because I think the problem is that when they announced Doomsday Clock, it was very, very out of nowhere, sudden. Um, yeah. Well, it was very sudden because basically what happened was they, they ended up announcing it the Sunday before Flash 22 came out, and they announced it in the middle of the night on a Sunday. It was like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Nobody will Pacific, notice. Yeah, Pacific yeah. time. So like East Coast, West, or East Coast and Central, they're all dead asleep. I woke up in the morning and was reading like all these tweets that happened in the middle of the night about it. I'm like, what? is this like who announces this stuff in the middle of the night this doesn't make any sense something beyonce does didn't beyonce release an album at 3 a.m wouldn't know that because i don't i don't listen to beyonce oh okay nothing against beyonce but she just it just dropped out yeah so i mean there's a reason for it it was very strange it happened in the middle of the night and when they announced it even even jeff johns who's answering some questions about it couldn't give that many answers and it almost felt like he they they had to like release it because something because something got changed at the end of the issue they realized that the only way to fix it was just to do Dude, blank doesn't this scream someone get jeff johnson here to straighten this out something i don't know I mean, like, the thing, like the, I mean seriously like you did what someone give me johns you know like it's mind-boggling, honestly, because the thing is, like, there, there was the, the the website who did the initial reporting of the Doomsday Clock said it was six issues. Then at some point, Jeff Johns actually went on Twitter and was like, actually, it's going to be between six and 13 issues. We don't know yet what it's going to be. And I'm like, wait a second. That is a big, big, big difference between six and 13 issues. And won't like, Snyder's that's just one, one of those at the things- same time? Yeah, that I mean, basically, we'll be three months. We'll be halfway through Snyder's Dark Knights or Dark Knights Metal. So I mean, like, it's they a very strange, strange time frame, and it feels just very, very sudden. And then he said, "Too many say events. like, just wait till Comic Con. We'll have more information then." Which obviously, we we expected that they were going to announce something at Comic Con anyway. But it's one of those things where November seems a very strange month to be diving into a giant story, you know, story event anyway Much because it's the holidays. Yeah, like they don't do two major events at once. You know that they just don't. 
They don't do Flashpoint and Final Crisis at the same time. Right. And they definitely don't do them in November. So you're telling me Snyder's mega universe-spanning epic and the Watchmen thing is going to happen at the same time in November? All right. Let's mm. get let's 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 get moving. All right, Batman. Upset? I'm upset. I, I honestly am upset because I had such high hopes for the storyline. And to me, it's just like I read the last issue and just I was like, man, and, and like honestly, you put us putting aside the, the Red Robin Tim Drake stuff and not even knowing that, like pretending like I don't even know that, it's still just it doesn't feel like anything actually was achieved. These two characters, the best crime detectives in you know, one's a forensic scientist, one's the world's greatest detective, they're getting together to investigate the button. And what did they actually learn other than they got stuck in the flashpoint universe for two issues. Like what actually occurred? I mean, like there's nothing that actually happened. Like we didn't achieve or move the story forward in any way other than reverse flash is dead, which I mean, maybe that has, you know, maybe that's important to the flash books. I don't know, but he dies all the time. time. It forever. doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, especially since I did re- read somewhere that reverse flash is going to be popping up in like one of the near future story. Arcs. My bad. That? My bad, that was my phone. Sorry about Jetsons. that. It's the Jetsons. I know. That's, yeah, that's my text message. Uh, oh, it's, uh, is your dog texting you? No, why would you? I like the Jetsons. I mean, I don't like. I don't like watch them, but I thought it was cool sounding. I like the Jetsons too. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Yes, it was. It was. Is very disappointing. It just fell flat, and I wish that something more would have happened. Uh, it didn't necessarily have to be the Tim Drake stuff, but like just something to like further the story. Because just basically ending with this advertisement that, hey, basically wait another almost, you know, basically six more months and we'll have something else for you. That's not the way I want a story to end. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, Batman, I'm going to give, uh, well, this specific issue of Batman, I'm not I'm not grading this based off of the entire arc or the two issues with Flash. I'm just grading off that one singular issue of Batman. I'll give three out of five. Uh, three out of five. Three out of five. Right. And over on the website, Matthew gave it four and a half. So it's going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five batterings. Let's move into our last book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 956, written by James Tynion IV, art by Marcio Takara. Beneath Gotham, Cassandra faces her mother, mother, Lady Shiva, with her team behind her. Shiva claims that she does evil. She does not have an evil purpose and will never yield. Above in the colony airship, Jacob King calls his wife after the months he spent in Batman's captivity, asking her to leave the city for her own safety. The general, Ulysses Armstrong, is generally obnoxious about everything, then reminds Kane of the nano napalm they've they've launched into the tunnels. Jacob vows that Shiva will not walk away from killing his daughter. As a team and Cassandra battle Shiva, Kate falls when the assassin reopens her stab wound, and Batman orders Clayface to take her to safety. Shiva continues to attempt to persuade Cass that killing is the right thing to do, but her daughter remains strong in doing the right thing. Shiva believes that destroying Gotham will weaken Ra's al Ghul, who has tied up much of his wealth in the city and allows and allow the world to reach a utopian state. She starts the nuclear countdown and Azrael and Batwing head off to defuse the bomb. Kate and Clayface encounter some of the ninjas that Cass knocked out and Clayface is forced to disguise himself and Kate as a ninja themselves to sneak out undetected which is probably by far the, one of the craziest things I've seen. He actually wraps himself around Kate and makes her look like a ninja. Jacob Kane and Ulysses continue exploring the cave, finding the unconscious shadow ninja, and Kane orders the swarm further in before igniting. 
Cass takes the upper hand in her duel Shiva, explaining in short powerful sentences that choosing life is the strongest choice. In the airship, Kane sees his daughter through the nanoswarm's cameras and orders them back. Cass demands to know why Shiva is attempting to destroy the city. We flash back to a meeting between Shiva and Raz many months ago. Shiva has discovered something about Raz's plan that horrifies even her, but before she tells Cass, Raz appears in the tunnels and shoots her, apparently fatally. Batman restrains Cass, and Raz makes a deal with Batman to remove Shiva's body and the League of the Shadows. Batman agrees, but lets the villain know that his knowledge of Ra's magical manipulation of his memory leaves unfinished business between them. Shiva tells Cassandra something we don't hear before she presumably dies, and the two sides retire. One week later, Kate visits Bruce in the Belfry to remind him that they're taking Cass to the ballet. Azrael, Batwing, Clayface patrol the new, newly chaotic streets, and Batman knows that they must find Jacob Kane again, but first, they must explore the ways of magic to discover how to defeat their ancient foe. All right, so Detective Comics. Uh, so this is the end of the story arc. Uh, this is the end of the League of Shadows story arc, essentially. Um, so a couple of different things. Cast never kills. That's that's brought up yet again. And uh, Shiva... What? And, and, and Shiva presumably uh, dies um, at the hands of Ra's al Ghul, who just basically shoots her. And in some ways, it's kind of interesting that someone who is solely, so highly trained as Shiva is somehow just gunned down by Ra's al Ghul. I find that to be slightly anticlimactic. Um, so, so the basis, basically, it comes down to this: What do you think is the thing that Shiva saw that Raz was involved in that horrified her? Number one, and then the second part of that is: Is that what you believe she told Cass? that she whispered to her right before she died. I don't know. What what was Shiva in the terrified race so much? I think no, it was no, just it wasn't she she saw something that Roz was involved in that that she, that scared uh, her. We were reading this the wrong way. Um um I think it was this is going to sound terrible. I think it was probably like a generic racial ghoul is going to destroy 50% of the, you know, world. Although to be fair, it could be a watchman thing too. I mean, Maybe that's it. Well, anything could be a Watchmen thing at this point. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's got some allegiance to the Watchmen or one of the Watchmen. Maybe he's working with Dr. Oz. Actually, Rachel Go and Dr. Oz working together might actually make sense. So I'm going to say that Shiva was terrified that Rache was coverting with killers from another dimension that were coming to take over the planet. Dustin, you said, why did she freak out? Yeah, she, she got really... Was? When she was having a conversation with Roz, Roz showed her something that she seemed to get very upset oh, about, which okay. seemed to be the reason, like the catalyst that allowed her to basically try to break away from the League of Assassins, take the League of Shadows, do what she was doing, get herself disassociated from Roz al Ghul because of whatever mm. he was trying to do. Do you think this in any way connects to All-Star Batman? I I mean, it would be great if it did. but still I still draft like a 70s pimp, though. Yeah, I don't feel I don't feel like it uh it does though. Okay. Well, I'm wondering given the character of Shiva, I mean, what would make her upset? And that's the hard thing because it's not like she has a lot of high morals. <laughs> you know, she is watch this. She's similar to me to a a predator. The predator, you know what I'm talking about, the 80s film and then it's it's continued on. 
but basically, you know, they, they go hunting and they want to destroy people. But there are certain moments that they will pause and they'll let you go. For instance, if you're, you know, pregnant or if you don't have any weapons on you. So I feel like she's, uh, I mean, she would destroy basically anyone. And there are only few and far between moments where she will take a step back and say, this is wrong. So you have to, it's got to be pretty extreme for Shiva Wusan to freak out like that. I don't honestly know what would drive her to that point unless it had something to do with Cass herself. Because I think, um, while she clearly wasn't showing any mothering instincts here, I think that that she probably has some sort of care concern for Cass. So maybe he's got some sort of plans for her. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I thought about whether it could be something like horrific, like you said, Ed, like knock out 50% of the population. Yeah, someplace. mass but at the same point, wasn't she trying to set off a nuclear bomb in the middle of Gotham? Yeah, Street? why would she care? Yeah, so like that aspect, I mean, it'd have to be insanely crazy and in order to actually upset her. And the only thing I can think of is if Roz was in bed with somebody else that, that Shiva was afraid of in some way, but I don't know who that would be. Um, So there's that aspect of it. I honestly have no idea what they were trying to hint at, but I feel like it's clearly something that is going to be brought up at some other, in a later time. Um, The, the comment that I don't think that the same, I don't think the two things are tied together with, whatever Shiva was whispering in Cass's ear, because if she was actually whispering what Roz's plan was, I don't think that Cass would just be like, oh, thanks for telling me, Mom. See you later. I'm never going to tell anybody this ever again. Um, Because I just, I mean, obviously, if it was something horrible, Cass would tell Batman and they would have to deal with it. But who knows? Maybe maybe that is what they're planning, and maybe she will eventually tell Batman just you know, when the story demands it. Yeah, it's tough to say, though. I mean, it really is, unless it's something we just don't see coming, because they're both kind of like, you know, extremely murky. Yes, exactly. And she's calmed down in relaying it to Cass. And so and it's probably something to do with Cassandra to a certain extent or something Cassandra would understand at the end. But what would she tell Batman? Yeah. What would Cass? Why does she have any reason to tell Batman? Because she's siding with Batman. You would think that she would, especially if it was something like Uh horrific. Yeah, I mean, if it was endangering the population of the world or a mass murder, you should definitely tell him, right? Well, don't you see Batman is now a rival? A rival for Cassandra's affections? That's putting it strongly. But a rival that, you know... Yeah, I mean, that's essentially... Yeah, that's valid. Yeah. That's valid. Yeah. I mean, we did so have why would you... Why, why not talk to... I don't know. Just your daughter and leave Batman out of it. I guess I just don't see why connection between... No, Shiva, Shiva wouldn't tell Batman. Batman. That's not no. It's not Shiva. Oh, telling oh, 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 okay. Shiva telling that's Cass, what I meant by Cass oh. knowing something horrific and not telling Batman. That's what we're saying. Well, she might. Yeah. Okay. So then Maybe the other thing, Batman, like a terrible person. Yeah, that's probably it, right? Like that, Batman secretly He's like, evil, strangling people on the night or something, drinking blood or something like that. Which would make sense. What if there's like a fail safe? That Raish has put deep within the like mental recesses of Bruce. And so at some point, Raish can just say some sort of keyword and Bruce slash Batman just goes crazy and starts destroying things. It's weird because it back to Morrison's Zurinar. Yeah. Yeah. Batman was Zurinar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what that would be. 
Yeah. And let's hope that happens because that, that color scheme and that costume rocked. It was an awesome costume. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is there's this final mention about uh, having to deal with magic. Um, we know that from the solicitation that in an upcoming story arc, not the next issue, but I think it's right after that, there's uh, Zatanna is added to the team, at least short term. We don't know if it's long term, but Zatanna is going to be on the team, clearly having to deal with some magic elements. So just thinking about what we know from here, we have Jacob Kane on the loose. Shiva's out of the picture, at least for the time being. She's probably brought to a Lazarus pit by Roz, but she's out of the picture for the time being. Roz is also out of the picture for the time being. And then we have um, we have Jacob Kane still in the wind, and we have this magic element that Batman's saying that they need to get control over so that they can you know f- fight against magic in the in the future. I also feel like this is also a slight lead into whatever's going to happen with Dark Days and Dark Nights. Um, because there's some sort of magic element that's dealing with that. Um, knowing some of the stuff that's happening as part of this dark universe that DC is slowly creating that's not involved with the Batman universe outside of Dark Knight's Metal, but the idea that there is this, the, the magic is coming up. It seems appropriate for magic, you know, for someone like Satana to come in and kind of help the team understand how to defend themselves against magic situations i guess is the best way to put it but what what do you guys think how do you guys think the magic stuff will tie into going forward i mean Zatanna's clearly going to be on the team do you feel like we're actually going to see the team face off against someone with magic elements as the villain for the next story arc because we don't know you know that part of it yet i don't know if magic will be the villain in the next story arc but i think it's going to pay a heavy heavy role you know, I don't know if we're going to have like a magical villain, but I mean, I, I mean, Zatanna's there. So you, you could see Bruce just bring her in to deal with the um, racial ghoul magic problems. I think we'll lean on magic a little bit. Um, hopefully we'll get some other fun magic characters, maybe a dead man appearance or something like that. Um, but I don't think that necessarily we're going to go against like an evil sorceress in the next story. Um, You don't think uh, Faust? Ooh. Felix Faust. Felix, that could be good. That could be. I think it'd be fun to bring in sort of Justice League dark esque characters, which would be great. But the thing is, we already we, we circle around this argument all the time because to the you know bringing new characters on the team and everything. I assume that this is just a guest appearance, but I am hoping that uh, with Satana, maybe there'll be some shipping between her and Batman. What do you think? Mainly because I I liked it in Batman, the animated series. And I think they did that recently on something else, too. But anyways, no, I think that that would be fun. I really love Zatanna. I think she's an awesome and fun character. It also really works my brain because I have to read her things backwards (laughs) to, you know, to figure out what she's saying. But, yeah, I maybe Felix Faust, but he kind of seems like someone that Rachel Gould would talk to, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, they both got a little megalomania in them, you know. Yeah, because clearly, they, probably Raish is not is not the person who's able to do this magic stuff. He's got some somebody helping him out. Wasn't Faust part of the 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 group of villains that was in Young Justice that was like behind the scenes along with Roz? I believe so. And Eclipse that was yeah. too, wasn't? Yeah, there was a lot of characters. That, there was a great group of villains, but I, I honestly, I kind of don't want Felix Faust because. Whenever I, they use Felix Faust, I feel like like I'd rather see like Clarion. Honestly, that's who I'd like to see. Oh, because, yeah. Witch Boy. Yeah, 
And I'd love to see like Stephanie pop in and just have some sort of reference that she's dealt with him in the past. That'd be awesome. I can't see it happening, but it still would be awesome. I don't know about that. Spectre. We haven't had a good Spectre story in a while. Spectre would be good, yeah. That's not a villain, though. Yeah, well, he can play a very much a villainous yeah, role, though. That's true. That's true. In, in role properly. All right, so Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of four out of five. Uh, Yeah, four things about right. It's good. Real good. Three and a half out of five. And over on the website, you can give it four. So it's going to give Detective Comics a total of four out of five batarangs. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to Greater Gotham. All right, so first up on May 3rd, we had Batman number 22, which we already talked about. Nightwing number 20, Nightwing deals with another attack from Deathwing, all while he believes that Damien was killed by Dr. Hurt. Issued by David, he gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral, and apparently Nightwing and whatchamacallit are on a break at th- after all of this. Yes, Nightwing's Nightwing's girlfriend was not pregnant, by the way. What a, what a waste yeah. of time. Uh, Harley Quinn number 20. Harley takes down the cannibals that have been plaguing New York City. While in the second story, Harley and Joker escape from Batman. Distributed by David, he gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Secondary TBU books. Bane Conquest number one. As Bane tries to keep control of Gotham City's underworld, he is led to face a new foe that takes him global. Distributed by Ian, he gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Main DC Universe books. Justice League number 20. The League faces off faces off a faces off against a new threat as flash gets stuck in a groundhog day style situation relieving <laughs> the apparent death of jessica cruz so you by jim he gave it three and a half out of five i'm gonna give this one a neutral neutral abstain secondary dc universe books dc comics bombshells number 26 which includes digital chapters number 76 through 78 the bombshell versions of harley quinn poison ivy kate Kane's batwoman maggie sawyer Crispus Allen, Renee Montoya, Selena Kyle's Catwoman, and Joker's daughter all appear in the issue. Deathstroke number 18, Batman makes a brief cameo in a flashback that Rose Wilson has. Uh, Green Arrow number 22, Black Canary continues to appear as a main character in the series. Injustice number 1, which includes digital chapters number 1 and 2. The Injustice versions of Bruce Wayne's Batman, Alfred, Joker, Damian Wayne, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Orca, Calendar Man, Killer Moth, Clock King, Man Bat, Victor Zaz, Polka Dot Man, Killer Croc, Magpie, and Black Canary all appear in the issue. And then Superman number 22, as Batman is missing, Damien is assisting to take down a giant squid from the last issue. Lois Lane uses her investigative journalism to come across a scheme that leads her to use a piece of the Hellbat suit and the Batmobile. Moving into May 10th. Uh, main TBU books, we already talked about Detective Comics number 956 and All-Star Batman number 10. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey number 10. With the help of Green Arrow and Nightwing, the birds take down Blackbird with the power of love. Lumine is the threat of how Gus fits into everything going forward. This was reviewed by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Red Hood and the Outlaws number 10. Jason must face the memory of a dying of dying as a Robin, while Bizarro leads refugees back to his friends for help. Meanwhile, Artemis has been convinced to help Akila, but she doesn't realize that her plan is to rule the world. This is by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. 
Thumbs up. Gotham Academy, second semester, number nine. Amni Arkham is has control over Olive, who vows revenge of the descendants of Gotham, which leads her to Harvey Dent. Meanwhile, the detective club come in contact with the new version of the terrible trio. This was by Jerry. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Thumbs up. Secondary TBU books, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventures number six, back in Gotham City, the Krang attack, and the Turtles, Batman, Robin, and Batgirl must come together with some help from Scarecrow to finish off the Krangs. This by Paul. He gave it three out of five, and we give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Main DC Universe books, Titans number 11, the Lazarus contract begins with dishonesty and a disappearance. Flash Ash is given a deal from Deathstroke that he turns down and learns that there is a second Wally West who is now Kid Flash. This is reviewed by Jim. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Justice League of America number six, the JLA takedown Aegis and the team shares some brief character moments with each other, hinting at what is to come in the future of the series. This is reviewed by Paul. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Did you know, this is an abstain for you, but did you know that an Aegis is the um, special shield that is used by Zeus and Athena? Did not. Well, that might be the reason why there. What'd you say? Is he, he, does he lion related in any way? Lion related? No. Often the, well, sometimes the shield will have a Medusa head on it, but it depends. All right. Suicide Squad number 17, General Zod is unleashed on the Annihilation Brigade as Waller lays a trap for Harcourt. This is by Corbin. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one neutral. Uh, Neutral. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, Bug, The Adventures of Forger, number one. Batman makes a brief appearance in the issue, Punching Orion. Injustice Ground Zero, number 11. (laughs) You're sick, man. You're sick. It's literally all that happens. He pops. I know, but why do you bring him up if that's all he does? Because that's the point of what I'm doing here. I'm I'm supposed to tell you where he appears. Injustice Ground Zero, number 11. Digital chapters number 21 through 22. The Injustice versions, Harley Quinn, Batman, Bane, Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Joker all appear in the issue. New Superman number 11, the Batman of China, appears as well as Harley Quinn driving Amanda Waller to meet Lex Luthor. Shade the Changing Girl, Shade heads to Gotham City to take in the sights. Supergirl number 9, Barbara Gordon heads to National City for a clean energy expo and gets caught up in assisting Supergirl in taking down Magog as Batgirl only to find herself trapped in the Phantom Zone with Supergirl. Wonder Woman number 22, Wonder Woman is auctioning a night on the town with herself for charity, which has Bruce Wayne bidding against Lex Luthor for her companionship, I suppose. Uh, next up uh, on May 17th, uh, main TBU books, Batman number 23, we'll discuss on the next episode. Nightwing number 21, Wally West heads to Bloodhaven to spend some time with Dick. They end up dealing with a new villain named Time Bomb, but quickly take him down. This is by David. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a, a thumbs up. Abstain. Abstain. Batwoman number three. Batwoman goes undercover to investigate the Kali Corp- Corporation, which leads her to encounter Knife. This is by Jessica. She gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Harley Quinn number 20. Harley deals with the impending arrival of her parents while Harley Sin is gunning for her as well as the Bat fan from the future. In the second story, Joker and Harley take a break from running and hide out in a motel for the night. This is by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. No secondary TBU books, main DC Universe books, Super Sons number four. Lex Luthor arrives as Damien and John are tied up listening to the monologue of Kid Amazo to retrieve his armor. Kid Amazo's sister ends up being the fall of the villain as Damien and John head back home. This is by Jessica. She gave it five out of five and give this one a thumbs up. Wow. Abstain. Thumbs up. 
Teen Titans number eight is Destro continues his plans to utilize the Speed Force energy with Flash and Kid Flash. The Titans and the Teen Titans team together to rescue their respective Wallies. So we got Ryan. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Trinity number nine. The Trinity are teleported to the Watchtower, which is experiencing a meteor shower. And as they try to help the situation, members of the Justice League who are infected with some sort of alien virus begin to attack. So we got Bill. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Justice League number 21, the Justice League race to stop an extinction event involving an alien device. The device is actually an alien heart, and the League receive yet another warning. This is by Jim. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Abstain. And then, as we talked about earlier, the Flash 22, uh, that was reviewed by Matthew. He gave it four out of five. Uh, Secondary DC Universe books, DC Comics Bombshells, number 27, digital chapters 79 through 81. The bombshell versions of Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Joker's Daughter all appear in the issue. Green Arrow, number 23, Black Canary appears in the issue. Just Injustice 2, number 2. Digital chapters three and four, the injustice versions of Batman, Bruce Wayne, Calendar Man, Killer Croc, Man Bat, Killer Moth, Clock King, Deadshot, Magpie, Orca, Harley Quinn, Polka Dot Man, Jason Todd as Batman, Barbara Gordon, Lucius Fox, and Black Canary all appear in the issue. Justice League Power Rangers number four, Batman appears alongside the Justice League. Superman number 23, Batman and Damien appear in the issue locked in some sort of stasis lock capsule. And then finally, the trades and hardcovers that released in the past three weeks include Batman Arkham, Mr. Freeze trade paperback, Detective Comics Volume 2, The Victim Syndicate trade paperback, Teen Titans Go trade pa- uh, ready for action trade paperback, and Suicide Squad Volume 6, The Phoenix Gambit trade paperback. So that is all the stuff that you can take a look at on the website. Tons and tons and tons of stuff released in the last three weeks. All right. So now we're going to move into right before we do listener Q and A's, we're going to jump. Uh, I, got, I have to thank our Patreon supporters for the month. Uh, thank you to our supporters on Patreon. Uh, if you are not supporting us on Patreon, I strongly suggest that you do. $1, as little as $1 a month can help uh, get you entered into a bat raffle every single month. We choose a winner. We will contact the winner via email or message through Patreon, depending on what's the easiest way to contact. Any of the, the levels of support, whether it be the dollar one, $5, $10, $25, any of those range, uh, any of those levels will get you an entry into the bat raffle. Uh, different items will be given out every single month. Um, in the past, some of the items that we've already given out in the last couple months, uh, the first month we gave a digital copy of Batman vs Superman. Um, the second month we actually gave a digital code for a trade paperback on, uh, through Comixology. And the third month that we did this, we actually gave a Batman pop figure. So different items different every single month. Ooh. The more supporters we get, the better the items become so be sure to support us on patreon for those of you who have been supporting us including lisa jerry no deuces ian ian clark uh ian miller and sean and rob i all i we we greatly tbu appreciates you greatly in supporting tbu and uh, helping us achieve our goals of one keeping the site maintained and fully functional so thank you for that in addition to that, if you are not inclined in any way to support on Patreon, then there's also the ability to support us directly through PayPal. You can click on the button on the website to just give a one-time donation on 
on PayPal as well. But strongly support you, sir. You uh, you helping support TBU in in some way, whether it be Patreon or PayPal, because we provide this content, but it does cost money for us to make all of this content. We recently ran into an issue where, because of the extensive back catalog of all of the episodes that we actually have, we had to upgrade the server to a better server because we have way way more episodes in the backlog than than uh, most most websites so please do your part in supporting tbu so with that we're going to jump straight into our bat signal our very first comment comes from joel as always, thanks for the entertaining podcast. Just wanted to say get well soon or hope you are having great nights out partying to Stella slash Froggy, whichever is more appropriate for the preamble to this cast. Also that I am with Dustin about the crises. I like Batman. I don't really get into much of the other DCU things and the events slash crises just make me not want to read comics. While I am reading the crossover with The Flash, that is because I like Batman, and Jason Fabick is my favorite current comic book artist. Thanks again, Joel. Stella, so yeah. do you want to take a moment to explain why yeah. you were so froggy? <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't explain. So on Saturday, I went to a theme park. It's called King's Dominion. And uh, it was basically kind of like a charity thing. So I took a student with me. It was a female student, don't worry. And so I, I just enjoy, you know, yelling on the rides. And it's fine on Saturday. Sunday was just, that was it. That was my voice. I didn't even sing at church. I felt really terrible. Monday, I was back a little bit. And Tuesday, I was supposed to sing at school. Uh, and I muscled it out, but I was only like 80% there. But here I am. Yeah, that was that was a pretty bad time. I'm so sorry that I assaulted your ears with my voice. Yeah, it wasn't definitely that she doesn't go out partying. Stella yeah, that was definitely it. She was on a bender. <laughs> yes. That's not my Stella's type of thing. A, yeah, Stella's not really a party girl, but... Um, but uh, yes. <laughs> You're kind of just in the fo- same boat as me. And honestly, uh, kind of piggybacking off of your comment about Jason Fabic, Jason Fabic is a really good artist. Um, he's he's probably one of my favorite current artists. I just wish he was on a normal book right now. He, they keep putting him in these event-type situations with the button, and he was previously on Justice League versus Suicide Squad. I want him on a normal book uh, full-time because he's a great artist. I think the problem is that a lot of the main books – that he deserves to be on like Justice League or Justice League of America or Batman or Detective Comics. Those books, they come out so frequently that taking somebody of his, yeah, there's no way that like somebody who is as good of an artist as he is can jump onto one of those titles and really be, you know, his, his talents really be fully realized with what they're doing. And that's not to say that the artists who are on those biweekly issues aren't doing a good job. They're, they're figuring out ways, but like, I feel like he should probably do something like, you know, not necessarily, I'm not saying he needs to be teamed up, but like all-star Batman makes sense. Oh, it would be beautiful. You kidding me with Fabic and Snyder? Oh, come on. That would be a good, but I kind of want to keep Fabic away from Snyder just because I don't want Fabic to become a Snyder artist because there's a lot of artists who work with Snyder on a very regular basis. And I don't want Fabic to become one of those 
those artists. Not not nothing against Snyder for that, but it's just like I, I I know it's probably it comes one across, of those guys. It just yeah. comes across very bad because like when you look at Greg Capullo, he hasn't done anything at DC that's not with Scott Snyder. I mean, you look at Raphael Albuquerque. He originally worked on American Vampire with Scott Snyder. He's worked on some other things. Sure, he worked on Batgirl, but like he, he's better. He's best known for his work with Scott Snyder, whether it be American Vampire or whether it be something else. You know, you look at you know somebody like Jock, who's also very well known for working with Scott Snyder. I just I don't want Fabig to be a Scott Snyder artist. I want Fabig to you know be somebody who like like. And I and I and this is a very very strong comparison, but like I want Fabic to be someone like Jim Lee. He Whoa! Can, I, I and I'm saying this. Because I like Fabic a lot. I like Fabic. I'm not trying to say that Fabic is as good as Jim Lee. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm saying is Jim Lee can be teamed up with Scott Snyder without it being he's a Scott Snyder artist. Fabic right. is good enough where he's worked with Jeff Johns on a regular basis. He's worked on detective comics in the past. He's worked on these events. I want him to just be a big star artist. And I'm trying to think of somebody who else who's on that same, in that same vein of like being a big artist who's worked on justice league with, or who's worked with like multiple big name writers. And honestly, I can't think of very many outside of somebody like Jim Lee. So that's why I say Jim Lee, because or maybe Tony Daniel would be a good good. Tony Daniel, even Ethan Van Skyver to some yeah, degree. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Did you see what um, Neil Adams said about Jason Fabic? He said he's no Neil Adams. <laughs> <laughs> he probably oh didn't actually gosh. say that, but he would. <laughs> he would. Yeah, he would. All right. So our next comment comes from Ian. Ian Prime. He says, regarding the nano napalm, Ulysses specifically says that after Rise of the Batman, the colony was officially rogue from the U.S. government, and he started the project then because he no longer had ethical oversight. I'm not sure if I should apologize for my book-length post-last episode, but I stand behind every word I wrote. Smiley face emoji. Especially the parts about Tom King being good at structure. Get well soon, Stella. I, there's nothing against your book-long length, uh, your book-length post. It just took a while to get through, but I mean, like, you had a lot of really good points in there. Um, Tom King definitely is good at structure. I honestly feel like Tom King is very good. And like I say this, and I don't want to get into it, but like Batman number 23, which we'll review next episode, is just a one, basically, basically a one-shot story. It's not going to continue on in some other issue. Like it's just a one-shot dealing with Batman and Swamp Thing, a very strange pairing by most people's opinions but it's a singular story it, it reminds me a lot of that you know two-part catwoman story i just feel like tom king does a much better job of the shorter stories when it comes to like these longer six issue story arcs or the five issue story arcs i just don't feel like he's hitting all of the right points like he's not moving the story and like it's not doing the ups and downs that it's supposed to do at the certain points so that's that's my problem he does a great job at the shorter stories though. I have, I haven't, there's no issues with some of the stuff that he's done where it's just like two, you know, one or two issues where he does these smaller issues or these smaller stories. And the perfect example is that Ace, the bad hound, you know, short story. Yeah. Yeah. The short story that he did in the Batman annual that now is Eisner nominated. So clearly he's very good at doing the shorter stuff. I just want him to succeed at being able to do these longer stories where they don't feel like they fall flat. 
All right, so that is all of our comments on the website. Uh, if you want to leave your comments on the website, be sure to head to the podcast post on the website, leave your comments there, and we will talk about those comments on the next episode. In addition to that, if you are interested in helping out TBU, we are currently looking for some new comic book reviewers. Uh, we are also looking for news article writers uh, for basically not just comics, but also movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course, like I said, the comics as well. So if you are interested in potentially picking up and trying to help out with some of the news, be sure to get in contact with us. We're also looking for video editors, audio editors as well, graphic designers, uh, anybody who has any uh, history and uh, in their profession with developing websites and things like that, secret secret little bit of information uh 10th anniversary of tbu is coming up this coming january and as things normally go with tbu we tend to take a long time to get things accomplished so we're trying to (laughs) yeah it just it just it just happens i mean the the normal podcast i wanted to relaunch back in january and we still haven't done that because of constraints and things like that we just need more people to volunteer and and things like that so if you are potentially interested in helping tbu out in any way shape or form Outside of monetary donations, be sure to get in contact with me at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Of course, if you want to leave monetary donations instead of your own time, those are greatly appreciated too. You can leave those through PayPal or Patreon. Be sure to head over to the website for all the latest news and editorials related to movies, TV, video games, merchandise, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check us out on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. In addition to that, leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And as I mentioned, leave your comments on the podcast for the next episode. We will be back in exactly two weeks uh, for the next episode. So, So that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Stella. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. Take it easy. 